Welcome to episode 18 of Be Still and Know. This podcast is recorded for New Covenant Lutheran Church and is based loosely from the devotional book, also called Be Still and Know by Broad Street Publishing. If you're just joining us, I'm glad that you found this podcast. If you've been listening weekly, thank you for sticking with me on this journey. So far, it's been pretty interesting. I think that my favorite part has been when I'm guided to scripture that I've never read before. A couple times now, I've been taken to passages of scripture in the books of the Minor Prophets, and I have loved reading and learning new things in the Bible. Okay, so we started this week with a message on Monday about water. It's interesting because I spent all day on Monday thirsty. Not thirsty in the biblical sense, like how our devotional wrote about, but actually thirsty. That's strange for me because I drink a gallon of water every day without fail, so I'm never typically thirsty. But on Monday, I sure was. What I find even more interesting is this. Typically, I read the devotion and then study and write first thing in the morning. On Monday, I had to drive my in-laws to the airport and I didn't have a chance to spend time in the devotional until later. I can't help but wonder, after reading the devotional, if my physical thirst was caused by a spiritual thirst. Of course, mostly that's a coincidence, but I found it interesting nonetheless. Back to the devotional text about thirst. God promises that even in times that we're in the wilderness, we will never be thirsty because his well will never run dry. You could take that sentence at face value and say, okay, great, that's awesome. Or you could dive into it and see all that it truly means. I think that in the undertones of this sentence, what we're really reading is that if we let him, God can be there to support and provide and care for us throughout everything in our lives, good times and bad, times in the wild and times in the safety of our home. He is always there with a cool glass of water and a reassuring word. When I looked to scripture on Monday, I was drawn to many places in the book of Isaiah. This verse from chapter 12, which is titled Songs of Praise for Salvation, jumped out at me. Verses 2 and 3 read, See, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. With joy, you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. I love the last couple of lines. With joy, you will drink deeply. Our thirst goes away when we let joy into our lives. It's all around us. And the closer we get to God, the more we're able to see that joy and not be thirsty. Our devotional reading on Tuesday was titled Light of the Dawn. And we read about how the middle of the night can be scary and dark, but as soon as dawn comes, things don't seem quite as bad. The dawn brings light and a new hope, much the same way that God promises to be a light and our hope in dark times too. I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the middle of the night, my mind is instantly awake and begins thinking through all of the unfinished things from the day before and all of the new things to do in the upcoming day. I'll often tell myself to switch off and go back to sleep. But there is always something nagging in the darkness. When I looked to scripture about the light after or in the darkness, 
I found two verses from the book of John that I wanted to share with you. Both spoke to me, but in different ways. The first is John 1, verse 5, and it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The second was later in John, chapter 2, verse 12, and that one says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. The first is in reference to creation, that God breathed life, and in that life was light, and that light will always shine, even in darkness. So no matter where we are in the world, how physically dark it might be in that given moment, there is still light. The second is a piece of scripture from Jesus, from Jesus, teaching that he is the light, and as long as we're following him, he will light the path in front of us. I love these two pieces of scripture together, because it's like in one breath, God says, the light from me is always with you. But then at the same time, if we're following Jesus, we can also see light shining on where we're headed. It's the best of both worlds, light in the now and a light for the future. Wednesday's devotional this week talked about thunder. Specifically, it was about the thunderous sound of God's voice. But as we've had so much thunder this week with our summer storms, my mind went right to the sounds of thunder that have woken me up every night the last week. It's funny that in Tuesday's devotional, we talked about waking up at night. And then Wednesday was loosely related to the specific thing that's been waking me up this week. Anyway, we read about the thunderous sounds of God's voice. It's hard to fathom that the entire world was created by the sound of his voice. He spoke and things came into being just from his words. I can't even fathom that. Jeremiah 10 verses 12 and 13 say, But the Lord made the earth by his power, and he preserves it by his wisdom. With his own understanding he stretched out the heavens. When he speaks in the thunder, the heavens roar with rain. He causes the clouds to rise over the earth. He sends the lightning with the rain and releases the wind from its storehouses. God made the earth and everything in it. He is able to do truly great and unbelievable things, and yet he still wants to do things for us, things that seem so small in comparison, and yet he takes incredible joy in doing them for us. In Ephesians 3, verses 18 and 19, we can read about this incredible love that God has for us. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Thursday's devotional this week brought us the story from the third chapter of Daniel, when the three men are being threatened to be thrown into the fire unless they worship other idols. But they still refuse, knowing that God will save them, even if they do get thrown in. The devotional text compared this to current times, 
and how even though we don't run the risk of being thrown into a physical fire for not conforming, we're pressured by the majority to act a particular way and perhaps even compromise our standards. In the second book from Peter, chapter 2 begins with this. But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who brought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. This particular message this week struck a real chord with me, one that I struggled to decide whether or not to share, because, not because I didn't want to, but because I wasn't sure it was relevant to those of you listening. At some point, while mulling this over, I realized that it was important to share because there could be someone else in a similar situation. I'm also coming to recognize over the past weeks that writing and sharing some of these more personal messages that I have processed through prayer has been good for me. Long story short, you are getting my thoughts on this, whether you want them or not. Working in what's known as corporate America has its ups and downs. I love being a part of something greater than myself, and I have the pleasure of working for a company that I truly believe in. But I've also noticed over the years that there have been times where I recognize that If I were to truly be myself and 100% share my opinion or thoughts or feelings, those would automatically include Jesus, and I'm not sure how that would be received. I struggle with this a lot. I want to be like the men who weren't afraid to be thrown into the fire. I want to be able to say 100% how I truly think or feel without worrying that my opinion or my own thoughts or reaction of others won't be taken in the wrong way. I'm working on it and I'm getting more comfortable and confident in my own thoughts and in my faith, but I'm not where I want to be just yet. Part of Paul's final instructions in 1 Corinthians say, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. I love this reminder to stand firm in our faith. For when we do things with God at the forefront, it will always work in our favor. This last week, we had a Friday the 13th, and our theme for the devotional was My Redeemer Lives. We read about Job and the many, many trials he went through, And yet, through all of that pain and suffering, he never once turned his back on God. His faith was so strong that he knew that his Redeemer lived and was in complete control of his life. Even though he couldn't comprehend what was happening to him, he knew that God had a plan and a reason for the suffering. I went back and read a lot of the book of Job this week, and wow! His suffering wasn't just a few bumps in the road. It was essentially everything awful that could possibly happen to someone happened to Job. I thought about people today as I was reading the book of Job, 
about how easy we have it now in 2021. And reading Job was an incredible reminder that even the things I have in my life that I find challenging and difficult are nothing in comparison. Toward the end of the seventh chapter of Job, when he has already been tested multiple times as God is trying to prove a point to Satan, Job cries out to God saying, I would rather be strangled, rather die than suffer like this. I hate my life and I don't want to go on living. Oh, leave me alone for my few remaining days. What are people that you should make so much of us, that you should think of us so often? For you examine us every morning and test us every moment. As I read this particular section this week, I was reminded of teenagers on sitcoms and how their complaining is a lot like what we hear from Job in this text. And yet they're complaining about their cell phone being taken away or not getting the gift they were wanting. The phrase, I hate my life, is thrown around all too frequently for essentially no reason at all. I see so much in this piece of scripture. This man has been tested to what feels like the end of his will to live. He can't fathom why God is so focused on him and is testing him so much. Why is he so important? And yet, through all of that, he never blames God. He remains faithful. A positive that I want us to see in this is how important we are to God. How he does pay attention to each of us. He knows who the faithful are. Our weekend began with a focus on being content. This was much easier of a devotional to read and text to study than our focus on Friday. We read about Paul and how no matter if it were the prosperous times in his life or the times when he had nothing, he was content because through it all, he had Jesus. We read about the common flaw of humans that no matter if we have nothing or everything, we still want more. It's only those who are content with Jesus that don't seem to place much importance on worldly status. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. The caveat here is the verse immediately before it though, which reads, You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God will always provide us what we need, but in the same breath, we're told that we should also give. Not necessarily financially either. I've talked about that a few weeks ago. Giving of yourself doesn't have to mean giving money. What I'm feeling led towards here is that is the way we're able to feel this content relationship, no matter if we're rich or poor, is based on how much we put into it. Any relationship takes give and take from both parties. And I feel that to have this content relationship with Christ that Paul is talking about, we need to give as much as we're hoping to receive. Our last devotional text this week was called Search Me, and it talked about opening your heart for God to search inside it. Something that spoke to me in this was that for most of us, 
It's not hard to pull down our walls for God. We recognize that he knows us. Everything we feel and everything we think is already known by him. Letting down our walls makes us vulnerable. And while it's not all that hard to be vulnerable in front of God, being vulnerable in the world is something quite different. The scary part of worldly vulnerability isn't the letting down of the walls. It's the, what will I do in the world once I fully let down those walls and how will that be received? Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Essentially, this verse says, don't worry about what people think. If you're following the plans that God has laid out for you, then everything else will fall into place. This week, I hope that you can be firm in your faith like Job and see the wonder that comes with the daylight. Amen.